Uh, good morning. Welcome. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, it is Lady Blair Sings the Blues time. I am your girl, sometimes V, over here we got Kylie, Miss Too Smart, <laughs> and then we got Prowess the Testament. I hope everyone's having a good week, a good morning, get your coffee in, we is ready. Uh, how are y'all doing this morning? Let's start with Kylie this morning. I am awake. I am alive. I got to spend quality time with the little cousins last night. So that's always fun. <laughs> it's like, uh, I, I, I remember what it was like being that age. Everything's so dramatic. <laughs> All of the drama. I was like, so dramatic. <laughs> so dramatic. They just turned 12. So happy birthday to them. Abby and Anna, we love you. Oh, yeah. It's your little twin's birthday, huh? Yeah. Twin, twinning. Did you do anything else this week? I did. I um, volunteered my time uh, for the Alzheimer's walk, the walk to end Alzheimer's in Aptos. And um, that was a, an event that hit home for me because my great grandmother had Alzheimer's and uh, we spent a lot of time together. I think that's like kind of the natural order of things in families. It's like you, you put the really old people and the really young people together and they become each other's keepers. So, you know, she's sneaking me chocolate. I'm helping her walk and she's teaching me how to dance. <laughs> I'm making sure that she's not, you know, getting lost and wandering down the street. <laughs> or sometimes we'll wander together. So you never know. <laughs> We love to hear uh, good but, things. <laughs> right? Good things. Good things. Positive experience, um, community building, which I'm all about. So I, I really enjoyed being able to be a part of that event. And I just had some good good conversation with um, some other classmates from school and uh, talked business and got inspired to make some more moves. So happy about that. Ah, awesome. I love it. Um, meanwhile, if folks here in the chat are here and bright-eyed bright and bushy-tailed, and you want to tell us how your week is going, I put a link in the chat. Um, please check out Mr. Snoop Dogg doing the Crip Walk. He's having a good time. <laughs> I need to get Dear Stylist doing like, I'm going to have a good morning today. I'm ready for it. <laughs> so I think I need to find that gift next. I think that would be the good one. But yeah, please. Fill out, fill out the um, Mentimeter, it's there, it's rare. Uh, we'd like to know how your week is going. Uh, so Ms. Pryors, how's your week? Um, it's going good. I'm, um, I think, building off momentum of the last couple of weeks that have just been super busy um, and that's continuing. So I'm trying my best to like, I think just navigate when you're, you know, we've all been really busy this, year and there's a lot of burnout happening and I'm trying to find ways to mitigate that uh, you know personally for myself and at the same time you know learning to say no to things learning to know when you're stretched like those are the most important aspects of that um you know and I feel like so those I'm trying to learn how to surf a little bit better in, in this climate um and also being able to just focus on like staying healthy and being you know in the the spirit of wellness and that kind of thing so just continuing that as well um i am at the end of this uh as soon as we head off stream i'm headed to the airport to go to portland uh 
And so I'm looking forward to that. I've not been before. So, um, and I feel like even though while I'm there on work, I'm like looking forward to maybe having a little bit of time to just kind of, uh, I don't know, get some fresh air and, and be in a different setting. Um, and it also, when you're working and you're in person working versus, you know, I'm virtual so much and remote so much that it's nice to kind of have that opportunity to be around people while I appreciate it for small spurts of time like this, where it's like, you know, a couple days and then I'm, I'm ready to come back to my cocoon. But uh, <laughs> it's nice to, you know, have this as a treat to be able to actually, you know, hang out and, and be among your, your uh, work peers. Yes, I hear that. I, so, I'm curious to know your take on like being a person and kind of juggling the hybrid thing. I'm the same like you where I don't mind seeing you for like a day or like an event, but like when I'm actually doing the work, I'd rather be by myself. Yeah, that's especially, yeah. I feel like we've all just, I mean, I, I saw someone on LinkedIn saying, I mean, they basically have a remote manifesto. like. You know, at this point in time, that's how, you know, it's part of your DEI plan to really allow people to have those opportunities. So hybrid workspaces, yeah. Places where they're saying you have to be on site every day, that that's problematic because it does not lend itself to people who learn and gain their energy in different spaces. Um, and so, yeah, there are times when maybe, especially depending on the type of job you have, where you may have to be on site and that's understood. And that's a choice for people to make, however, versus sort of requiring people to say, you know, I am submitting to being on site in the physical presence all the time, because maybe I don't, maybe my interpersonal skills are different. And instead of it being differently bodied, right? Like you're now required to, um, with on on-site uh, experiences, being able to say, well, we require you to have excellent interpersonal, you know, public speaking skills. Not everybody has that sort of social. Uh, you need diverse social um, and cultural experiences for people. Um, I'm sure it's easier for people who have to pray throughout the day, or you know, who may have you know uh, physical. Um, uh, illnesses or conditions where they have to give themselves medicine or, you know, that being in a physical space or breastfeed or whatever that looks like. And it's like, yeah, it's a lot easier when you're remote doing that um, than when you are having to take seven, eight breaks a day to do that. So that's something so controversial and so brave. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly aligned with that. I remember uh, one time that there was a woman who came into the org I was working for and she's like, do you guys have a space to pray? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. never heard of that. And me being, me being insensitive, I'm like, can't you just go pray in your car? <laughs> but then the sensitive side of me is like, no, that makes sense. People have different foundations and yeah. different ways of how they carry their spirit, spirit, spirit out, spirit out. Spirituality. Thank you. There's, there's an expertise in there. We got you. We got you. Uh, the That's a no for me. <laughs> no. Uh, no. No. So, but yeah. So like, sorry. I'll finish my thought real quick. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna say like that makes sense. Like, what if we try to hire somebody who needs that space, or what if we need somebody who needs, you know, um, space to take their meds without feeling ashamed? They don't. They shouldn't yeah. have to do it in 
in the bathroom in a stall so people aren't judging them being like oh that person needs medicine to operate because mm -hmm. we all know how like uh, how disability phobic we're, we all are as a as a culture not saying yeah. we are but like as a culture like if you see someone that has something up with them like we're like are they even qualified what are they here yeah, yeah exactly and it's so <laughs> fucking rude but i think the remote work helps put a veil on it and give that person some privacy and a, and a moment yeah. of not being judged uh kylie sorry i didn't mean to step on you no um i was going to say um that the accommodations are so <laughs> are, are so lacking i think there's certain businesses that do really well um with providing spaces like for breastfeeding and providing spaces for prayer and actually just like not like watching you so closely like i've had um work experiences where because of my condition of having pcos like there'll be times that, and it's not predictable for me like there'll be times when now it's time to pass clots and i have to spend maybe like 10 15 minutes in the bathroom and i had been in positions where people were watching my bathroom time and like commenting on it and um like or all, like that's not your fucking business and exactly all, what are you gonna do to hurry me up you want to change my pad for me you want to wipe me up the ideas legs are spread <laughs> let's go sorry Kylie. <laughs> well no like seriously like it's, it's um and wow. that was something I faced with even talking about like bringing my own chair to work because my flow was so unpredictable. I was like, if I bleed through, do I now have to replace this chair? Um, you know, and like that was a real conversation I had to have with my manager uh, of like just things that are not necessarily predictable, mm -hmm. but that people will judge you and not want you in that workspace. Um, I also like faced the issue of because I was younger and because I was more technologically savvy of doing IT job and doing like all of these other functions in person that had nothing to do with my role. Yeah. Um, but that I was just expected to do and expected yeah. to help other people fulfill their roles because they're like, oh, you're supposed to be a team player. And I was like, so you're telling me that you don't have a whole other department dedicated to this, right? All right. Then if I take time out of my day every day training on these other things when you come and ask me why my metrics for what my position is are like lacking or slow um then i have to be like well you told me to be a team player like you told me to support the team this is a whole nother role that somebody should be a in a whole thing yeah <laughs> yeah we can dive right in all into all that and i actually i'm curious should we like take this subject for like next week to talk about about how yeah millennials, how millennials have to accommodate for the for the older generations who are our bosses and expect us to do things that are outside of our role because it helps their work productivity but compromises ours like that's a whole yeah. thing uh sorry i wrote it down i'm like mm, that just inspired me because i want to rant and i want to rant and i want to rant about that because that drives me insane because every time i'm in person someone comes up to me being like hey hey how do i 
How do I copy paste that? Yeah, how do I save this as a PDF? How do I convert this from PDF to whatever Excuse it is? Me, I'm not linked up to the uh, printer. Can you help me link to the printer? I'm like, that's a basic yeah. function. Like, if you had your, like, if you had a printer at your house, you should be able to know how to hook up your own printer while you're telling me to do this at work when it's linked to our network. Like, come on. That's, mm -hmm. and it's, some folks are like, well, that's being rude and ageist. I'm like, no, you're asking me to perform outside of my job duties. Give me fucking money. Give me money. Right. <laughs> so for next week, we are ranting, yes? Yes, we're ranting. <laughs> so we're, we're going to rant about how, uh, and we'll be kind about it, right? Because obviously we, we can think about like, okay, so let's think about the other side of it, right? Like, how do we, how do you express empathy and being helpful and still showing our good spirits, but at the same time, we don't want to be taken advantage of. <laughs> Not if you buck. <laughs> Not if you buck, you know? So I, my week, if you don't mind me diving into that. Yes, dive into your week. Yes. Y'all, I saw, I saw a very rare lineup of uh, concerts the other day. It was, it was so good. I saw, I saw P.O.D. <gasps> I saw Evanescence, <laughs> and I saw Corn. Oh, that's a that's a, a first class show. It was so fucking incredible. Like that's how that all the nostalgia, all of the nostalgia, all of the who 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 even opens for a show like that. Uh, or were there, were there openers? There was an opener. Uh, I will tell you who the opener it was, is her. She. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting all jacked up. We're like, her was there? That's an interesting like, <laughs> Not her. No, her. <laughs> That's a cross-genre mix. Yeah. Um, so, her name is Dana Dentana. And y'all, if you want to know how bad this bitch is? It's basically like if Insane Clown Posse made a baby with breast candy. Like, that's who Dana Daytona is. Like, she was this very, like, hyper, not in any negative connotation whatsoever, but, like, very hypersexual feminist um, who just showed up on stage in clown makeup and was just very aggressive about, like, eat her pussy, eat her pussy on her period. I uh, was grinding oh. with the microphone. Just, oh. just incredible like display of just like, I'm fucking, fucking sexy and y'all can't fucking stop me. Um, and so I definitely would check out her stuff. It's very like, like I said, like you know how Insane Clown Posse kind of has like the rap in their like rock and roll music and stuff. And it's very like uh, shenanigans. Um, that's what I kind of describe her music as, but less clown-esque. So, um, but yeah, like it, she was, she just killed it on stage. Like I was like, Ooh. and I don't think the crowd is ready because honestly, <laughs> that crowd was very, like you can tell, like no one wore a mask. I wore my mask. So like I was, I was good and protective and all that shit, but no one wore a mask. And everybody was like, you can tell on their dumb shit. Like there was people drinking in the, um, in the parking lot and folks were trying to relive what it was like in the 90s as like a teenage dirtbag like you you know what type of crowd this is yeah <laughs> so uh other than that like it was just 
incredible. Like she sets, she sets, she basically set the bed for like what the rest of the performances were gonna be. So then POD came on. Um, obviously songs that we all know familiar is like Youth of the Nation, um, and what was the I Feel Alive. I don't know the actual titles of these songs, but it, it was it was good. Like and the thing that I wanna remind folks about this whole performance is like let's not forget that basically POD has protest music. Like, yeah. like yeah. they are multicultural like band who does rock rap and they have protest music and so people are rocking out and having a good time right and not realizing that it's protest music and that's just <laughs> sorry right, like it's me all the time it's like when racists are fans of like system of a down and i'm just like but you know that they're like anti everything that you stand ah! for like what <laughs> yeah or or mo yeah i feel like most of most of that that have their roots are like alt rock and reggae rock and latin metalism <laughs> like um you probably don't want to listen to like a group that's based on alternative you know these these rap metal like hello what do you think it's based on um, they're like fuck colonialism fuck capitalism fuck your greed fuck your wars like yeah what <laughs> yeah so what was funny about that whole thing is like everyone's rocking out and then evanescence comes on right and of course, Amy Lee just got lungs for days. Lungs like, for all of the days. Lungs for days. Like that woman can just belt it out. And like, I love listening to her as a preteen. I was thinking about like, like how she was just like so beautiful and ethereal and just unproblematic. Like just all the things, even though she is a woman from Arkansas. So I'm like curious to know if she got the, some petty in her. <laughs> um, but other than that, she did such a wonderful job and it was what I was expecting, like as somebody who has been an Evanescence fan for so long, but I kept my Evanescence fan fandom in the closet for so long because there were some folks who were very like hardcore about their rock music that they didn't think she was like it. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep this a secret because I don't want to get beat up or challenged. But this is when yeah. I was just like a teenager. So coming out of the closet now, I'm just like... <laughs> Of course, I like Evanescence. Like, Amy Lee's the shit. Um, exactly. And people, yeah, gatekeepy people about, like, I think she's proven all of them wrong at this point that we're like, she's a pop star. She's Lady Gaga or whatever the, the commentary was. Yeah. Um, well, I remember specifically, like, back in the day when they were first coming out, that they were marketed so heavily as, like, alternative Christian rock that yeah. so many people just dismiss them on the basis of you know being religious music you know mm -hmm. and so they're like oh it's it's for the church kids and i was like what no, <laughs> no it's extremely, not really <laughs> my god extremely my tourniquet talented, right I was like, oh. my god my tourniquet if anybody knows the song the lyrics to tourniquet like that's not christian music that's yeah that is but music I mean, needs even a content warning <laughs> Like, Neither is my model, I mean, for that. <laughs> None of the music is. Flyleaf was also, I think Flyleaf was another group that was also listed as Christian rock. And I'm like, huh? I mean, Flyleaf definitely was Christian rock, though. Like, and was very open about, like, speaking about um, their religious That's, preferences. Yeah. That is the difference, though, because it's like what you do off microphone you know of what you do off stage whatever is one thing that makes people think that 
But I always thought that was weird because I'm like, Evanescence has never made any statements. Um, if anything, it, more statements of more goth metal type statements because they were doing the like tape over the mouth about censorship and like those types of things. I, I never saw them make any statements about like. Uh, also, Christian. does this mean that like Tupac technically is Christian rap? <laughs> Yeah, don't. Yo, he rapped about God a lot. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, because it's like me? one person, you know? It's like. Uh, and he's a religious person. Yeah, Christian and rap. like, okay, nice. I've been as business. I'm not here. Don't I make need, me. Get we need a list of how many rappers have mentioned, like, I thank God and just really label all their asses as Christian rap. Like, I'm here for it. <laughs> but they are. Like I even mentioned, and I still play around with this trope, and he he can do he can do whatever he wants with it. But like we do have a Christian nerdcore artist. His name is King Size the Vet. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> um, but speaking of like you know being spiritual and for the people, like Evanescence, one of their recent songs was uh, "Use Your Voice," um, and that was a protest song. And what was funny about the group of people, again, all these all these mofos who are just like there to fucking party rock, feel like it's 1999 in Woodstock again. Like, <laughs> she you, you had the song Use Your Voice and she had all these visuals of all the protests that happened in 2020. And you could see the crowd go from jumping up and getting all hyped to like everyone was at a standstill. And everyone was at a standstill. And I'm just like, ooh, girl, if I put up my fist right now, I might get shot. Like, <laughs> it was a space where I'm like, I'm I'm not sure how people are feeling. Like, of course, I was vibing, but like, I was like, you know? And then like, I looked around, and I'm like, I'm gonna keep this up for the most appropriate time, and then I'm gonna bring it down, because like, again, I don't know someone following me to my car. Because safety. Because <laughs> safety. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did. I did a big no-no. I went to that concert by myself. So, um, but girl, I tried reaching out to local people that I knew in Portland, and they were just like, "Nope." So, I'm just glad oh, that I went. Jeez, don't How? do what I do. Just do what I say. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, but fair because I also like move in ways where I'm just like, "Don't do this. You didn't. You're not built for this." Okay, there are some people who are built for this, and some people who are not. And if you don't have the skills and the wherewithal, <laughs> then it ain't for you. It's yeah. not, yeah, exactly. So luckily there was a family next to me who, or I say family, it was, it was a, I think it was an uncle and his two nephews, or it was a dad and his two sons who were like older. I like, thought you were going to be like, it was a clown posse. <laughs> ICP was right next to me. <laughs> Back to that Vanessa's set. 
Evanescence links up with the main front, front man with P.O.D. to do the rap part of Bring Me to Life. And then Corn obviously brought in Amy Lee to do her part for Freak on a Leash. And so those were some parts that I was like, oh, I feel this. Like, this was, this is great. Like, I feel a sense of closure as a child watching them do their thing. And then now I'm here, like, as a full-fledged adult being like, fuck yes. Um, so yeah, I had a great time. It was worth the time. And it was also, by the way, like, Jonathan Davis was reported as having breathing issues on his last tour prior to this one that he just did. And that motherfucker looks so healthy on stage. Like, no breathing issues, no, like, stamina issues. Like, that guy fucking did his damn thing. Like, it was great. So, like, kudos to Jonathan Davis for bouncing back from having COVID. Like, like mm-hmm. that was a good performance. Yeah, recently he had it? He had it in 2021, but he has repercussions from it because he reportedly admitted to um, a couple of sources, like I think one of them was Steve when he was in his podcast, that he he had bad asthma as a kid, and then he still has to take medication for it as an adult. Yeesh, yeah. And if, yeah. And, yeah. All the perfect storm of, of bad things for COVID, yeah. Yeah. And not to mention that this fool had, he had drug issues <laughs> and spit it on off smoker. And he's like, yeah, he's something years old. I'm just like the way that he navigated himself on stage. I'm like, you wouldn't, you couldn't even tell that. He, no, that's he, awesome. That there was any reason. Way to go. That's how, yeah, that's how you gotta, thank goodness. Yes. So <laughs> I'm looking at the How's Your Week Um Mentimeter, it looks like a few folks uh, submitted their their stances, and it looks like someone says it's almost tamale season, which is true. Pumpkin spice latte season, about to get trumped by tamale. Is it always tamale season? Is it always tamale season? It's always tamale season. (laughs) I do pumpkin spice whenever I want. I'm like, yeah, today I'm feeling basic, and I'm I'm enjoying it. And who cares what y'all think? You know, they got to stop judging the pumpkin spice drinkers over here. Yes. Judge. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have someone being like blessed to be a remote worker. Feel that energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, and then someone else said, "Doing good. Went to church, and now I'm vibing Judge. with y'all. Thanks for vibing Yay. with us. Appreciate Thank you. you. Hey. Let me give. Let me give a little bit of a. Let me give a little bit of a. What's up, baby? Take me out to dinner. <laughs> Okay, um, so let's go ahead and go back to this group view. We're going to go ahead and transition to some topics, topics, topics. Uh, some topics. Um, so let's see. I think we were talking about how I'm just getting my list together with OBS. So forgive me, y'all. Ah! <laughs> You're OBS. Yeah, I'm I'm doing great. <laughs> we are doing wonderful. Okay, so we wanted to kind of get on the subject, which was inspired by, um, it was inspired by our chat on Thursday about childlike joy, childlike expression, and how that kind of manifests into your adulthood. Um, so Kylie, I know that you were kind of the vessel for this one. Do you mind if you kind of dive us right in with this? Sure. Um, So this conversation or this topic had come about because we were really discussing um, what it means to explore your identity um, and what it means for people to 
create their their avatars, right? Their their style, their fashion choices, um, how they choose to present in the world. And um, this had really come about because, like I said, I've been spending a lot more time in the community. I've been spending a lot more time around children specifically. Um, and, you know, I was in this group of like 12 year olders and each one of them is exploring like their own different styles and what they think is cool. And, um, you know, you'll have one person that's really wanting to like, you know, wear like furry ears and a tail or somebody else wants to wear like dramatic makeup and just try to find aspects that they really identify with and find the people that become their community. And, um, it was really kind of disheartening for me to see these group of children just playing and exploring and the backlash that they were receiving from the adults around them for having that sense of exploration. And so the, the topic really was like, why, why do we have such a hard time letting children be children? Um, what does that mean for ourselves as adults and like trying to, why are we quashing joy? Um, have we quashed our own joy and our own self-expression and now we're just bitter Bettys and that's why you're doing this to the next generation? Um, and what it means as an adult to like embrace your inner child and create your own avatar. Um, so that was the framework for that. Uh, and I think now's a good space to open it up and, and just get some feedback. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I remember very, very clearly as a kid how no matter how I moved in whatever direction of things I was interested in, I've always received some sort of negative, like, naysay comment. And it's harmful because most of it came from family <laughs> and church community members. And even some of the other children in the neighborhood who, and it's always the same kids in the neighborhood who would tinker at my authenticity as a black woman. Um, and so this is something that has, for me, like, as I mentioned before in the How's Your Week, I had to keep things in the closet because I was afraid of getting beat up for it or being excluded and kind of having to adapt in a, in a way so I wasn't seen as a reject. And it sucks because, like, I don't think I've ever had the empowerment to be authentic until much later. And now I'm just like, I don't give a fuck mode. <laughs> like, but it took a lot of time for me to get into that space um, because sometimes the way that you have to move, you it's like if people perceive you in a certain way, it actually fucks with opportunities. And so, like, and it sucks because sometimes there's a strong voice who will who will blanket you as a certain thing and it makes you lose out on things. Um, so yes, I hear that. And then I always like, I remember being a music teacher and just making sure that kids felt authentic to what they want to do. Like I remember a kid was telling me like, Oh, I don't want to read the music here, but I want to read this music or replay the music that I hear on YouTube. And I'm like, yeah, go do that. Cause that's your identity. Like I didn't say this so directly, but I was like, yeah, go do that. That sounds great affirming but also the inside i'm realizing like they want to learn music that they want to learn because it's part of their identity and i need to let them have that um so that's kind of like my initial comment to that uh p do you have anything with that um yeah i always i mean i feel like the it's hard to have sort of 
unbridled sort of childlike wonder and joy because you do have the um you have the lived experiences that you have because you know whatever those events and circumstances are that have changed your your point of view you have to you know take those things into account um and for me I try to remember to find spaces then where I can still have that unbridled energy and kind of radiance and, and joy um, without, and where do I cultivate my happy? Where do I cultivate my childlike wonder? Um, and that might be, you know, seeking out new learning experiences that sort of apply that allow me to, to because I don't have any jaded experience with that because it's new territory. Or, you know, where do I, those places that I go where I can, um, where my circumstances may not be, where I can leave those circumstances behind for that time, where they may not influence how I act in that moment or how I experience that moment. Um, and I know we had talked about, for, for me, oftentimes that has been, you know, fandom spaces, um, however you choose to do that, however you choose to manifest your fandom um, and whatever those particular niches or you know subgenres are um those have particularly been my spaces but then i'm like you know it's it's changing now um and a lot of the times there it's it's that it's impacting i think the ability to have unbridled joy and fulfillment of that sort of childlike happiness um because it, those spaces are changing and not necessarily as welcome for that there is still a lot of trauma in those spaces there's still a lot of you know, violence and oppression and racism and all of the things that you want to, the escapism goes out of the door. It's right, like when you want to go to the movie and now the, you know, Ariel, uh, you want to see the Little Mermaid and the whole experience of what Disney is supposed to be sort of, you know, creating and curating is magic and, you know, wonder and wonderment and all of that, you know, sort of the, the, the explorations of the human spirit and yet, you know, here it is, there's uh, all this uh, stuff that comes on top of it that now when you go to see this film, it's whether you are the person who's just, you know, uh, dislikes the, the, um, the casting or loves the casting, it's going to bring that, it's going to illuminate it as you're watching it. It's now kind of spoiled for everyone in that way. And so for me, it's like, where do you find those, those spaces are getting less and less that you can go to to sort of have those moments where your your circumstances or a particular experience are not affecting you and you can foster something new. And how do you, you know, other than cultivating those spaces yourself, how do you cultivate a space for your nine-year-old self or whatever that, that particular um, thing is, even though, you know, as an adult, how do you, you know, sort of dream and sort of manifest and imagine what that experience would be that would that would allow you to be in that space is it dancing you know is it baking is it writing so find your find your childlike joy and you know do more of it i really um love what you had said and there was there was something in there that really struck a chord about escapism mm -hmm. and so in my mind i was like oh do we immediately correlate happiness with escapism and is that also the reason why if you are happy you are perceived as less mature we automatically equate happiness with 
you know, innocence and with childhood and with lack of maturity. Um, and I think that's detrimental because uh, um, are we not allowed to be happy and be right? Um, are we not allowed to be happy and knowledgeable about something? Um, to, to be not taken as seriously. And I think this is also kind of a downfall in how we treat children as well is that we don't consider them like fully formed. Um, and so I think the respect levels um, are not necessarily there in terms mm -hmm. of communication. Um, and it really just like, oh, I feel like that could be a whole nother discussion on, on the ideas of seriousness, you know, the other side of the spectrum the idea of what is maturity, um, what what lends it to uh, being credible, um, because you know we are all educators in our own spaces and in our own rights, and I am sure we have all had experiences where we say something and immediately somebody is like, oh, your words lack substance or they lack credibility until you get upset, until you get to the point right until you get to the point where you're talking <laughs> oh with God. bass in your voice until you get to a point where you are slowing down and making sure that every single word that you say is enunciated is communicated clearly because people are not taking you seriously <laughs> and it's like why do i have to be upset for you to understand what i'm saying and to hear me when i speak i feel like that is Man, we got some episodes ahead of us to talk about. Yeah. Oh boy. Th yeah. Those are all good questions, Kai, because I'm like, I, all of those things that you picked out, I think are very present. And, you know, just in terms of like how you, for, for people that are around children, as, as, uh, as uh, V said earlier, sort of like allowing, how do you sort of inject now or interject that particular learning that you have um, on to children now, how do you sort of present that to them so that they do understand how to preserve those things? And at the same time, um, you know, how do you change, how do you make the change for, for the future for folks to be able to, um, not have all of these different limitations on their, on their happiness and joy so that it's like, this is just limited to you until you turn 18. Right. Because I mean, uh, another reason of why this topic had has meant so much to me is because I am watching now younger people interact and I'm watching um like just some interesting social experiments I was like so you'll have you know and it's it's that age right of going through and of pre-teens uh and trying to see what will give you what will lend you more credibility in the world what will give you more social power and things like that um and so it's like I, I'm watching instances where you'll have you know, the kid that is eating the candy that turns their whole mouth blue. And mm -hmm. then you'll have the child that's next to them, you know, looking at them like, I would never do that because it's going to dye my teeth. It's going to stay in your teeth and, you know, X, Y, Z. And they're already lots talking of, about lots of things that are just like stopping somebody from having a good time. From having a good time. And I was like, was it necessary for you to do that? No. Is it necessary for you to exclude now that person in what gives them joy? Like it's their birthday, they're having cake, they're wearing furry ears, you know, and they're like, oh, furries, like I can't even, which is a whole nother discussion wow. of just like, sometimes as an adult, I'm like, why, what, why, why are you doing that? And also who yeah. did that to you? Because I remember when you were tiny, teeny, and like, 
enjoyed all of the things uh ma'am you're not that grown like what's going on like why why are you feeling why is your sense of empowerment coming from literally like kicking the feet out of somebody else like ah that's the most harmful part hurtful part I feel like that continues well into adulthood I didn't mean to cut you off B oh no no you're good you're good um yeah I I was just thinking about I just think about that there is a culture of like there's a generation of kids who become I told you so a type of adult where all they do is like how do they how do I get this all they do is tell you like yeah I don't do that because of this what you're doing is lame like and it's always like over stuff like you know the kid that finally creates slime or kids who like put like like glue on their hands and then they slowly peel it off just for the the sake of like oh my gosh that's that just feels very pleasing to do and then you just have some asshole kid being like yeah I would never do that but they say that because like they don't understand the joy that comes with like doing shit that shitty things but doing like really cool things like that um with like you know experimenting with like material or you know which which is really I don't know. I get really sad when like experimentation is diluted by a voice that's being like, I told you so, or I'm going to get you in trouble because you're doing that. Like it's, it's a whole different type of century. Like, (laughs) yeah, because I see kids experiment with things all the time and then they turn out to align with their, their foundations of experimentation. And here they are doing big things with it, especially if like they have a back end from their home encouraging them though like oh don't listen to that girl keep doing the thing but sometimes you don't have that backbone at home sometimes parent will hear about you experimenting at school and then like your parents like you shouldn't be doing that you should be focused on your grades which you're just like um that has nothing to do with but okay like i, I mean and nobody. also like i was hurt not hurting anybody build your build 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 your own personal avatar and build your own personage because the system is not for you the system is not for you uh, i was also reading yep. articles about how like our education system in the united states like you spend 18 years and we are so not focused on trade schools anymore that you leave high school with no real marketable skills your options are to either go to college and get a degree so you can get whatever that job is Um, or hopefully you've come from a family that can support you in whatever entrepreneurial dreams you have and that you've had that extra support and that education at home, which for the majority of people, we do not. So things like, I don't know, like money management, taxes, actual skills, like, can you fix a car? I think um, I was talking, uh, because I just got my car tuned up, I was talking to a gentleman at the dealership And he was like, yeah, you know, I've been here pretty much my whole life. Like I got this job out of high school. I worked my way up. Like now this is my store. People work underneath me. But had I tried to do that now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to get into the door because I don't have the degree, but I have all the knowledge. And this is where I'm just like the accolades are detriment sometimes. And it's just like, you're not even using your degree in the, in the job that you're applying to, you know? So how, as adults, do we reclaim this? Because I feel like, especially with um, late Gen Xers and millennials, we're trying to reclaim the things that we missed out in childhood, which we can talk about the capitalist side of it another, or consumerist side of it another time. But like, mm-hmm. how do we reclaim 
our authenticity because I've noticed that there is a lot of nostalgic material that's being kind of fed to us which we get hyped about because that is the thing that brought us joy and now that we have more agency as adults uh, we can claim it a little bit more strongly so how what are some ways for you two that you are able to kind of do some retrospective um, healing I guess is what I'll call it Oh, I think for me, being able forgiveness and, and um, I mean, releasing blame, forgiveness as a mindset is, you know, radical forgiveness almost, but recognizing that, right, um, you know, that I don't want to grieve um, for uh, long-term things that happened to me, that those are things that are in the past and then not really... I feel like it's setting boundaries of it, not accepting any energy that's kind of contrary to um, my joy and my happiness at this point in time from anyone, right? Like we have to be able to say, yeah, if it's not, if it's something that does not excite my spirit, whether that is, you know, we have to do things as adults. We oftentimes say, well, we have to do that because we have to survive, you know, and you, there's things that you have to do that are survival things and then there are things that are like is this a survival thing can i do this same thing to survive can i work any number of workplaces to survive or i need to make a i need to make income is the the better word right like i need to pay the debts that i have and i need to um you know be able to feed myself those things mean that i can go and do them any number of places i don't have to do it in a setting that does not sort of is not aligned with my beliefs and my desires and it reaffirms me in that space. So I feel like the, you know, having gratitude and, you know, being able to see myself as a source of a, my own abundance and like following my joy, what makes me happy and, and, you know, really trying to, I feel like I've, I've heard people say this a lot around like surround yourself with people who help to remind you or, who are you know expanding your uh, your joy and not sort of uh, limiting it because right when you get around people who are like I hate to be devil's advocate and I love what <laughs> it's like I, I got enough of those I don't need people around me who are devil's advocate like you advocate for the advocate for the devil on his legal team I don't need you on mine I'm good <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's true it's like I, I'm not you know I don't need you to be you if you don't have anything positive to say which is funny people are like well that's just yes men but at the same time like i need people who are going to be affirming and not and, and nurture that though those moments of, of joy not coming into i don't need you to save or rescue me from from you know some uh undesirable uh dream you know what i mean like it's a dream or a goal um and so, yeah, it's just like, I feel like that quote in The Little Prince where it's like, all grownups were once children, but only a few of them remember. Um, remembering sort of what those things are that made you happy when you were a child. I think yeah. that's too, like being kind and not being selfish, like, you know, listening and understanding without, you know, learning how to say I'm sorry, you know, being able to accept an apology don't doubt people's sincerity. You know, it's like my son will say, well, are you going to apologize? <laughs> you know, and at the same time, and he will say, I'm sorry so freely. It's like, it's it's rattles off the tongue. Doesn't mean that I'm not sincere, but when we're adults, I feel like you question that. Well, I don't like the way they said I'm sorry. Um, so to me, it's, it's re reminding yourself of all of those things. Yeah, adults can be so vile with the apology side of things. Like, yes. trust 
I trust I don't want to sound hypocritical, but um, when you say you're sorry, especially if it's for a small thing, I'd rather take that than somebody who's like, who will say they're sorry and then intentionally repeat their bad behavior over and over and over and over again. And then it creates patterns where it's just like, okay, what are you really sorry for? Which is fair. And that's the fair question to ask. But yes, like the sorry saying apologies so freely I, I used to joke around and say it was a Monterey thing because like all of my Monterey friends would say I'm sorry a bunch, including Kylie. And then, like, so sorry. And then all of my San Jose friends are like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry, that was a quick tangent. Um, I was going to say, and Kylie, I was going to let you kind of close out the piece, is that, um, ooh, I had a thought and I'm locked in. I think also as somebody who's seeing new ideas that are very strange to you, or at first you kind of receive the immediate like judgment of disapproval. I think it's also changing your language on how you talk to that person who's experimenting. Right. I am somebody who likes to be curious and just kind of observe and just be like, yo, what's that all about? You know, or what's that? Um, so that way it gives the person a, a stage to kind of explain what they're doing. Um, if, they are up to explain what they're doing. Like no one's obligated to explain what they're doing. So point blank, give folks some agency here. Um, but also it's just like, instead of being like, ew, or I wouldn't do that. Like, I, I think just like explore the, the why, explore the why and give the person uh, some space to be like, okay, they're obviously doing that for a reason. So like, let's, let's hear them out real quick. Like, I think yeah. reframing your language uh, to be more curious than to be disapproving really helps, um, you know, just the expression to be a little bit more optimized instead of, you know, putting the shame game on somebody and making them feel locked up because then suddenly like what they're doing Im- implicates their how kind of messes with how they, they moved later. You know, like I, I, I don't like seeing people feel like they're doing something that takes away their spirit. Obviously, if it's something that's illegal, please come, like, don't, yeah, obviously that deserves a little bit of judgment. But if it's something as innocent as, like, someone's drawing, like, anime, and it's still in kind of its development phase, and you look over, you'd be like, anime's so stupid. Like, then then that's fucked yeah. up. Like, be a little bit more mindful about, like, how how you approach another, another person's hobby, because you're the visitor. You're not hosting them, you know? Yeah, I think um, at least in the cases that I have been most observant about, it really comes down to like, what are your core needs, right? So if you are making statements out of jealousy because you've experienced abandonment and you are all in a space and you're all vying for attention, right? Then it becomes, how can I best get this attention? And if you are now viewing people around you as competition for love, as competition for money, as competition for attention. These are all very isolating and individualistic ideas that, you know, will further add to your, your, your feelings of loneliness. And so it's like, you know, instead of tearing this person down, you could start building a bond with them. And now it's you guys against whatever situation you're trying to face. And so um, for me, it's really just reframing the positions that we hold in regards to one another. Um, and I think it's, it's important to catch that early on and to start 
yeah, I did say community, baby, community. There has to be unity in the community um, because <laughs> that, that's, this is how you, you lose people. You know, um, it's yeah. a fragile age. We don't talk about depression as it pertains to, to young kids enough. We don't talk about, you know, the suicide rates among children, the attempts, we call them cry for attention, sure. But what is what does that really mean? If you send them to a therapist and their therapist is just like, oh, well, you need to make more friends or you need to do X, Y, Z, and the parent doesn't have the resources to do so, you know, who's going to have these conversations? And I think we've all become so isolated that uh, we don't even have these conversations with ourselves in terms of what's what's driving our actions. Why do we feel this way about this certain person? Um, and why do we feel this way about ourselves? So I think yeah. that that is a certainly a level of thinking that I feel is important to introduce to people young in terms of being self-observant and self-evaluating. And I know there is a certain level of actual like neural processing that and maturity and growth that doesn't happen until later. Like, so this is why it's important for us to have that education on human development, to look at um, what's happening uh, with, with ourselves, even internally, when will we have this processing power? And when is it you know, necessary to give some people some guidance on that? Um, for me, myself, protecting my energy in, in that realm of thought. So when people do approach me, and they may, may come up to me with crazy energy, crazy ideas. I can really just be like, all right, let me just assess where they are, <laughs> maturity level. And do I really need to let that affect my day? For the most part, no. I'm gonna keep this feel good energy. It feels good to me. I know it feels good to most people. Um, and it's like, if you, so like, no, really, this is how I feel. If you approach me on some bunkness, you have something internally going on. Cause I did not put that out there. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. I was at the gas station. They're, you're the you're not presenting it. People are trying to, yeah, yeah. That's you're you know, bringing up a very good point there. So if somebody's having a bad day and they're coming up to my window, like, are you gonna pump gas? That has nothing to do with me. <laughs> you're having a bad day. No, that happened to me yesterday. I was coming off the walk. I was having a good day. I was. I pull up the gas station, check my phone, go to grab my wallet. You know, I'm like getting my stuff together. All right. Got to go inside, get my cash together. This lady walks up to my door and she was like, are you going to pump? And she was a white woman. And I was just like, I looked at her and I was like, yeah, I'm going to pump. Same face. Like, you're not disturbing my energy. I'm having a good day. I open my door. I get up. And she's like, well, because, you know, there, there's a line here, sister. And <laughs> sister. Wait, hold on. Another sister. Maybe I was like, yeah, like, you know, I'm good. Just give up. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm going to pump my gas, you know, like just mm -hmm. the same thing. Didn't get out of my energy, ah, didn't switch, didn't move. Ah. And it's funny because when you move like that, other people rally for you. You ain't got to do nothing. Your energy speaks for yourself. Other people at the pump started looking at this lady like, why are you fucking with her? You like, why? You, you came up causing drama. Like, did she just call you sister? That's messed up. That's rude. Now other people are speaking up and they're doing whatever. And all I had to do was just keep being me. Went about my day. I got my gas. People were just like, oh, that was trash and terrible. And I'm sorry that happened. And I was like, yeah, it was. But hopefully, uh, you know, whatever she got going on will resolve itself. Uh, right. Homie, and keep it pushing. There's, there's no climaxes happening in the who house. I'll, there's I'll, none. I'll, I'll so, you, you know. Quest. That's how I feel when people are grumpy like that. I'm like, sister, 
By the way, uh, not to weirdly tangent, I was watching this Instagram reel where it's these, where it's like these older folks who are like in their retirement age and they were saying some offensive stuff to each other, but they're like, but with all due respect and it completely, respectfully, (laughs) it completely diluted the energy, like the negative energy that came from their comments. So they were all trashing each other, but saying like, with all due respect. And then they all smile being like, it's all good in the hood here. Thank you. Thank you for the respect. But yeah, so it's like, and again, I understand that that is a level of maturity, like to be confident and to know who you are and to know what your boundaries are, to know what your energy feels like. You don't, at a certain point, like you really don't need to allow other people to influence you that way or that much. And especially when it's just people out and about in the world, you never know what they got going on personally. So for the most part, if I know that I'm good, and my energy is right from what I'm putting out. I'm not worried about whatever people are coming to me with. I'll check somebody respectfully and we do it all day. Um, but you know, I think that just comes with time. Yeah. Yeah. So right. thanks Kylie. No, I appreciate all of that. Like it was like, cause you're just like, don't disturb my energy and no one can disturb your energy. I literally like how you navigate the world. So for me, I really like I really like corn. Our our call to action today, by the way, folks, especially about childlike joy and trying to reclaim the energy that has been the nega force. Uh, child play. Uh, we check it out. Like lots and lots of uh, conventions in the area have used child play as their primary uh, charity that they raise funds for. Um, basically the premise of this whole org was that they wanted to debunk a couple of things. They wanted to debunk the negative, uh, connotations that come with video games, uh, by providing games to children because they know that, you know, playing video games helps, uh, helps with development, helps like inspire like a sense of like, you know, hope and all this stuff. So, um, at first the founders were like, yeah, we were tired of people thinking that like video games are violent and that they're just there to hurt people and that's not the case like there's other wholesome games have you guys ever heard of ollie ollie world give me a break (laughs) exactly (laughs) so uh they donate and provide a bunch of uh, consults to like over like 190 hospitals and also including domestic shelters so it's their work isn't just within um hospitals uh they expand beyond that and that they really focus on uh pediatric care so um, as you guys can tell, they've, they're have they pretty well established. Um, a fun thing that I noticed uh, on the site is that they list all of the conventions that they've partnered with in the past, and like MAGFest is one of them. <laughs> no bias whatsoever, right? <laughs> um, That's how I first heard of them, but yeah. <laughs> so some bias, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Do you guys have any other thoughts to kind of share about child play whatsoever before we kind of move along? No, I think you covered it. Um, just, yeah, if you don't donate, at least follow them because every follow helps, I think, with just trying to deliver on their work. And um, and they have capacity building grants. Uh, so you can also go there and apply for a grant, which is nice if you um, are providing therapeutic gaming um, in any way. So, yes, you don't just have to give. You can also receive. Yeah, yeah. And like I mentioned, I think what I like whenever I go to like a convention and whenever there is kind of like a charity like 
not fast run, speed run, <laughs> a charity speed run. It's always kind of cool to see these speed runs. And then someone's like, I will do this thing for you if you donate this much money. So people get geeked on the hacks for video games. And meanwhile, like everyone's like, yes, give me your money so I can give it to this charity. Yes. Because it's obviously not for evil. It's really not for evil. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of cool uh, that they exist. Kudos to y'all. Thank you for creating a space where that is possible. Um, so on to the next thing is, I got this. I swear I got this. I probably nerdy got this. I, I need and to dirty. Yes. Uh, we got the nerdy and dirty segment. Yeah, we are. Um, it's not really dirty today, though. Like, you know what I mean? It's great. It's... But, you know, here's our, here's our theme song for today. So, <laughs> moving along to nerdy and dirty it's today. Our <laughs> it's our theme today. Uh, even though we're not super perverted today. Um, well, I mean, speaking of t- toxicity. <laughs> okay, uh, you, me, and PTSD. I wanted to talk about, um, I brought up the subject with the group. I was like, Kylie, can I steal the nerdy and dirty segment? And she's like, yes, you can. Yes. And now it is not dirty. (laughs) It is only dirty. Let's go. It's only, it's only dirty. It's only (laughs) dirty because your behavior is dirty. Um, Right. So relationship talk. We all love talking about relationships here. Um, I've noticed a theme in folks' relationships that they, folks like to, when you see, what's that line called when, like when life imitates art is what I'll call it, when life imitates art. So um, I've noticed that couples, whether if they're close friends of mine or just couples from afar that I'll never, ever, ever, ever meet, but they're in the public eye, that there always has to be some sort of like, they're happy together to drama. There's a dramatic thing where it's like, my stepmother is actually my girlfriend or some sort of like, like, <laughs> what in the nonsense. <laughs> Oh, oh, that we going there. Okay. <laughs> to like, we don't know if it's going to work out. And then there's fight, 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 fight. And then it's like, we're together and everything's fine. Yay. And the whole world goes wild. So we're just like, we're just happy now. So anyway, I guess what my point is, is like, why is there this obsession that there has to be some sort of like dramatic cadence to a relationship to quote unquote strengthen the relationship? So I've had bad falling outs. And for me, with a bad falling out means I don't want to talk to your ass anymore because if you're just going to give me all this grief, like that's early pattern setting for me and I'm over it. So I'm going to move on along um, for me. But some peop- some folks don't do that. And, and I'm not trying to say like that person's weak. There's other like, co- there's other things that, ha- that apply to that situation, which I can completely empathize with but why is that a common thing so anybody wants to jump in first um Kylie I feel like you probably have a a lot more science to add to this or um so I will jump in with something that heads to the science of this around like the I feel like there's definitely like biological underpinnings of of how our nervous system definitely registers with like attachments and becoming 
you know, addicted to a type of uh, attachment because there's oftentimes when the toxic relationships can feel addictive because there's so many the high highs and low lows. Um, and there's, you know, all these different, the dopamine is getting released. There is, you know, uh, something around saying that this is a pleasurable experience and I want to feel it again. And a lot of the times, oftentimes you see uh, these situations where, you know, people need ranting and fighting in, in, in a, in a uh, relationship to equal passion. And, you know, it's sort of, it becomes a cycle of craving and validation. If I don't have a relationship that's chaotic and unsafe and unpredictable, maybe I feel like, I feel bored, you know, is there not speaking specifically of me, but I do know very many people who feel this, uh, feel this energy. And I've been in relationships with people who felt that like they needed to have, you know, some level of, uh, of fireworks to show that you care. Um, I, you know, dated someone who like, he didn't think you cared until you argued. And then it was like, then he would, he would feel attracted to me and my when I was argumentative, right? It's like, oh, now I want to kiss you and touch you. And that validation around that seems so weird um, to me because it's, it's, it's just trauma bonding. It's not a relationship. Um, and then, you know, I think about the fact around like the narcissism and stuff that you, this unwarranted rage that you have. Um, you're in, or maybe it's a grandiosity or something that you're projecting on your partner and then wanting to force your partner into like, maybe you aren't ready for a relationship and that that's completely acceptable to tell someone or to say to someone that you're, um, maybe that you're dealing with those issues. Maybe I have, you know, uh, some manipulation or who really is going to say I lie a lot, you know, so, <laughs> but, but those are things that maybe you should indicate to someone that I have feelings of self-doubt or self-betrayal. Um, I have, you know, moments of jealousy or, um, you know, just uh, insecurity. Um, help me work on these past traumas or at least be aware of these past traumas, but oftentimes people don't do that. And I, I feel like because you're just expected to individu individuate your experience, your pain, your suffering, and then like you're supposed to fix yourself before you get into a relationship. But that doesn't always happen. And I feel like that's really, that's like a best case scenario, but that's just not accurate. You know, there's, that's why the divorce rate is so high in this country and why there are so many people who look at relationships as being, you know, immediate things to, to discard when there is trouble. Um, discardable marriages. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Kylie, I teed that up because I knew that you had some, I feel like there's some chemistry or something that is related to um, <laughs> chemistry. Sorry, go yeah. on. Oh, yeah, the chemistry. Yes, now we have gotten straight. We're diving into <laughs> the dirty and the nerdy. Um, remember, we had had that giant discussion on um, love hormones and the chemistry that happens in the brain. You did touch on like the dopamine release, the serotonin loops, the um, the adrenaline release and rush, right? So we, we all are familiar with that phrase of like fight or flight. We had, we had added fawn to that list. I'm gonna have to add fuck to that list. It's 
fight flight fawn or fuck like what's happening because what yeah, are you gonna fight, do with fight, that fawn or fawn fuck, or fuck? Fight, that, yeah. is, fight, fawn or that is the real shit that's the real shit yeah that is the real shit because no i've literally had this conversation with a friend of mine who like that was his kink of like having arguments um and then having makeup sex or having angry sex and i was like because of that like um response uh in in your brain of having that adrenaline rush and having now your senses be so heightened and um you know having that tension and that release and then feeling all of the good feelings afterwards right now you're getting the reward for that now your brain and your your nervous system is calming down and so really these toxic relationships are are a nervous system dysregulation right when you are co-regulating and this is where we talk about being codependent um because someone is now like your neural feedbacks are tied into one another and your behaviors are, are influencing one another so incredibly and so intensely now your brain gets used to a certain level of intensity mm-hmm. and now it's like oh maybe we're not having the same pleasure in the bedroom without now having that adrenaline spike in the beginning and then it becomes again are are you aware enough to look at your behaviors and what's influencing the way that you act so why are you having this argument are you really upset or like has your body just gotten used to moving from one state of excitement to another and transitioning that and that's i think where we get this idea of like passion everything is so so high risk everything is on the line and i i want to feel i want to feel intensely um and that's dangerous nope <laughs> nope <laughs> nope um so i yeah i think that's going to be the new phrasing that fight flight fawn or fuck what are your options and what options are you choosing I'm a flighter. I am a flighter. <laughs> I'm like, but also, can why we call don't me necessarily... stronger? I am stronger from Christina Aguilera. Like, I do not have time. <laughs> I think it's also like because we don't embrace a lot of um, like emotional expression as well. So you're not getting the same responses out of like a soft, loving conversation um, and an exploration of pleasure, because for a lot of people and I will say like especially in the black community um men are not expected or even like encouraged to explore their own pleasure and to explore the pleasure of their partner so the pleasure That's... is then displaced like physical touch I feel is then displaced into more of a emotion emotional type surge right so it becomes more of a conquering even in the language that we use of i'm gonna beat that pussy up or i'm gonna like now i'm a hunter gatherer like i've hunted that like i killed that that's my like i claimed that or i'm going after this person as a retaliation for somebody else and so it's just like why that interaction could have been totally different totally something that was um just a, a moved into a different space, a different realm of communication with your body. So it's like, are you, are you actually like touching your partners? Is there any type of care, um, <laughs> pre-game, post-game? Mm-hmm. Is it a game? Like, you know what I mean? Are you playing? Uh, what's happening? Uh, and in that, that idea of like 
why is there a winner and a loser in this situation? <laughs> yeah. Why is the ideas of power play um, such such heavy handed um, when it comes to these types of relationships too? When you look at toxicity, and I think a lot of it is, you know, again, if you don't feel empowered out into the world, how you bring that power into your relationships matters. Um, and I think we have talked, uh, you know, a lot about what it means to decolonialize your relationships and those power dynamics, what it means to feel like you are the master of your home, the king of your castle. Uh, if we're talking from a more a masculine point of view um, and how that influences all of the spaces around you. So like, how are you maneuvering in your relationships there? that are supposed to be romantic or nourishing, if that is your design and your agreement, right? Yeah. Um, and again, these are why these conversations are so important. Mm -hmm. Because There's what what is yeah. the value that you're placing on this interaction that you're having with this person? Are you trying to just procreate? Are you trying to have a stress relieving moment? Are you trying to regulate yourself? Are you trying to get yourself out of a funk or are you just there to explore and enjoy a space with your partner so there's so many different motivations behind sex as well like are you including an emotional attachment i personally feel like because of the endorphins and the chemicals that are released there's really no um way of separating those feel-good hormones and those emotions with sex and that physical activity these are bonding chemicals yeah and to be clear to I'm gonna say this as a vulnerable statement, but having sex when you're not supposed to be having sex with somebody, it's a mm -hmm. whole different like emotion. Yeah. emotion that takes over your whole ass body um, mm -hmm. versus having sex with somebody who that you have an agreement to have sex with or you're in a relationship with. Like it's 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 different. It it definitely feels different, and I think there is an addictive substance to that type of high where feeling like, like you're getting away with something yeah like you're stealing like it just feels like you're stealing um with plus like more physical touch that's associated with that it's so fucking weird it's the weirdest feeling in the world it's like the gambling high too you know what i mean yeah. so the, the, yeah. it's like yeah. ooh, it's addicted uh like behaviors of feeling like you're getting away with something um or that you're you know i think this is also a motivation for why people cheat it's I think that's because, you know, I've had conversations with people who have open relationships, different styles of relationships, polyamorous relationships. And, you know, they'll be like, I have had the discussions of letting this be a part of our agreement, but you're still violating. And, and the thing is, why are you violating when you don't need to, when it's literally just a case of communication or just being honest? Like this would not have ended our relationship had you just been honest. And so then it becomes an honesty issue. And then, you, you know, you have that of like, oh, I don't want to feel like I have to report or that I'm, you know, not my own person. But I was like, if someone is making life decisions based upon you, you yeah. I feel like you owe that transparency to oh, your yeah. partner because they're your partner yep. and you're building right. together. Yep. So transparency plays a large part in that and i think that that's also another discussion we'll have to dive into some of these other 
regulatory chemical emotions in your brain that have to do with, you know, deceit and, and rewarding um, sneaky behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my question for you is like, what's, what's the problem solving component to this, right? Cause like as a culture, like we can't change a whole entire culture of people just doing this, right? Cause it's, it's going to happen regardless. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen a hundred years from now. Like this is a thing that has happened for years, like where there's been this dishonest engagements of other people um, whether if it's something to keep the relationship estranged and strengthened in their means, or if it's a way of just being rebellious because you're not getting your way in a relationship or whatever it may come from. Like, so what are some ways to keep that in check? Because for me, like I've mentioned before, I'm not about that. Like I don't have desires beyond my means to create conflict in a relationship. Like I think I'm living pretty good. Like me and my partner mm-hmm. are just like very, what I described as very healthy, like dynamic. We'll talk about stuff. We have concerns about things. Like we will talk it out, have a good discussion, but there's no screaming. There's no, you're making assumptions or there's no, you're going to go out there and act like a hoe. Like there's none of that shit. So like, like it's just pure, honest conversations about like what we're doing. Um, so I guess what's your take on that for you or or you Kylie or Paris I think I mean yeah as long as we are living in this civilization there's not going to be people who are honest and upfront about their expectations I mean the easiest way to me for that to be the case is to be transparent at the beginning of any relationship you know whether it's friendship or whatever the case may be what are your you know um you, your relationship should not be a plot device as I'm looking at Vegeta and, and, and Bulma here. I, I think there's so many things around like, you know, people want an archetype of a certain thing. So they go for people that they don't really want to be with because it, again, it fits an archetype they're trying to have, you know, whether that might be a certain look or a certain, you know, this person is good for me on paper or they're, you know, they fit the checklist of things, but that doesn't mean that that's who you want. You know, being honest with yourself, being honest about, um, to me, uh, you know, being transparent with yourself before you start the relationship with someone. And then you can be transparent with them around like what those things are, because, you know, the idea of, in my head, I remember, I mean, reading this but I'm like if I have if I feel right like I can't trust trust is really important to me and candor is really important to me like being honest if you know if anything happens you should be able to tell your partner when their discover discovery of things is like the worst pet peeve I can possibly have and it's just like you know what if I if I have to discover your dragon balls later I'm 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 good you know like you keep <laughs> I don't want to just discover your Dragon Balls. I, please show me, you know, let me know what the situation is because then I'm, I don't have to probe and like no one is telling you to come to confessional on Friday, but at the same time, you should be more candid and more honest with your partner to let them know about the things that you are, you're wanting, you know, talk about your relationship. 
Um, and again, I'm sort of thinking of this in the context of Regina and Bowman, like, yeah, for ultimately, like, kind of seems like a healthy relationship. It kind of feels like, you know, there's really, you know, it's a unified kind of a situation. Um, and, and then at the same time, really, is it, you know, is both of those need are both of those needs, um, both of those people are their needs getting met. And that's what makes me start thinking like you look down deep and you start to uncover the, you know, unveil stuff. And it's like, mm, maybe there's needs that are not getting met here. Maybe there's some sort of, there's some darkness in this relationship that do need to be surfaced over the course of, you know, time that we should be talking about it just as much as we talk about anything else. Why do we not talk about the relationship? And I know people who get into it and they're like, I don't want to talk about this. They wonder, you know, when you say, do you love me? I don't want to answer that question. Um, or say, you know, it's like, why are you asking me that? It's it, because we should be having a conversation about it. Um, because it, when it doesn't have, when it's no longer the case, it has given you an opportunity to say that to someone, right? Like, you should be having those kind. Are you still attracted to me? Whatever those questions are, you should be having them. And I feel like, to me, one of the biggest red flags is when people don't want to have those respond. You know, they don't want to have those discussions because those are the healthy discussions. It's like it's not toxic. If it's toxic for someone to have to look for the evidence of those things does he love me does she love me do they want me are they controlling me you know whatever those kinds of are they romantic are we uh, you know do we have the level of intimacy that i want like you shouldn't have to be uh doing you know sherlock sleuths to figure that out right that should be something uh to, to me it's like having comp you know they say communication is at the root of it i'm like yeah communication has got to be there and, and finding a partner who can communicate with you and let you know when things are, you know, are, are going well. And when, and, and they want more of this thing, right? Like, you know what, I really think this is going well right now. And I want more of that. Like conversations don't always have to be out of a place of disturbance, you know? Correct. Um, Correct. Yeah. That is conversations do not have to start out of a place of disturbance. I need that mm -hmm. on a God damn shirt. <laughs> real. Mean, like, Ah, sorry. I I'm letting that sink in for a second. I just, Lord, I, my hands. You know, when you're like, air. can we talk? And the person is like, oh shit, here we go again. Here we right. go. Again. Yeah. Yes, we can talk. We can talk lovingly. I'm with each other all day. Um, I think I have also less patience for that. Like, if someone comes up to me with that energy, I'm like, literally. Hell to the no, to the no, 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 no. Hell no, no. That was very lengthy. Yes, here we go. Extra, extra ad lib on that. And put a riff on it. Yes. Right. Come on. No. No. I'm going to have to say no thank you. I think providing also the framework. Um, and the language to have those conversations young with younger audiences, you know, I think we should start implementing psychology classes at a younger age. Why aren't we having those courses in high school, in middle school to actually talk about what it means to self-regulate and to give yourself options, right? Yeah. Because they're, what you're getting of like this feel good thing, like you could do you could access that chemical through other activities. 
And yeah, I mean, we talk about, you know, the importance of being active and the importance of exercise in terms of like physicality. I don't think people really understand um, how much that exercise affects your brain on a chemical level um, and a hormonal level because it really is one of those self-regulating things of like, okay, are you upset right now? Did you eat? You know, did you get enough sleep? Are, there's all these other factors that go before you bring whatever issue you think that you're having to your partner. Like, are you actually having an issue or are you just need some like good bio breaks in there? Like what's, what's <laughs> really going on? Like, and that's, that's so real. And having conversations and I think also like listening to your partner so that you don't have to get to a point where you feel like you have to yell in order to have a conversation or you, or things bottle up and you feel like whatever, that there has to be conflict in order to have resolution. You can just be continually building and and, and solving problems before they become problems. Like, right. So yes. Exactly. Yeah. Or just hearing someone out, just like, just hear them out being like, okay, so what's going on? Like, let me hear you. Like, just let me hear you is just so much stronger than here we go again. Like, mm -mm, do you not have time for that? All right. Can we move along, ladies? Is that cool? Yeah, I think that's perfect. Perfect. Okay, sweet. So we are transitioning to our actual nerdy segment. It's so funny that some of these little blips are longer than I thought. Like, I should really customize them. <laughs> so I, I like, know. Gemini Star came on and started rocking out. <laughs> yeah. Um, for anybody who knows where that came from, please let me know in the chat. Uh, it's my one of my favorite animes. Um, so, just nerdy accuracy and mythology and lore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We all know what this is about. Like, and also here on the Lady Blurs podcast, we have talked about this before, not with the Little Mermaid, but we talked about this with God of War yeah. and with how they casted Andra Boda as a black girl. Um, and y'all got all types of fucked up about it because you're mm -hmm. like, Andra Boda ain't no black girl. But I'm like, but how do you know what Andra Boda looks like? Did you even actually read the lore? She is a small giant. Like, do you think all giants look the same? Not with them dreadlocks. So, anyway. Oh my gosh, I, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> I'm like, get away from the so like, Oh, we're talking like elves and like trolls and like all of these different things, but like you're really hung up on like skin color and hair texture, but this person can be blue with tusks <laughs> and like, live in a mountain i can't i cannot i can't stand you yeah, yeah. sometimes apparently um, elves can be blue apparently dwarves can be purple but the moment that we see some brown skin we gotta get the hell up out of here like that's what i keep hearing from y'all haters <laughs> but it's funny because it's like this idea that myths or legends would not have originated in countries of color when it's the People are predominantly ethnic out there. I hope y'all know, like Africa is giants, okay? The maps that we're looking at are incorrect. So you've been lied to your whole lives. Uh, children of the sun, people who are melanated, 
uh, are the higher percentage all throughout the world. So for you to think that through the decades, centuries, eons of human history that none of these origin stories would have started with people of color is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I'm, ready to, I'm ready for you, girl. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, um, I, I totally agree with all of that. I'm like, you know, I, I feel like there's, our world has become such a space where people are now forcing themselves to, you know, I, I've long sort of um, always said mythology is how, you know, you make sense of the world. Um, and how you connect to the world around you. So it's it's how, um, in our most primitive sense, how you know it gives a, a, a comfort and the sense of order and meaning to you know things I don't understand, um, and that's why it's so sort of primordial and and the ideology around it, where it's like okay, we're we're at this point the power of myth is going to continue. It's going to become more elegant as we infuse, you know, we learn new things as we have now, you know, we're, we're almost propelled thousands and millions, really millions of years beyond where our first archetypes of myth started. And it's like, and now we are in back in like this bag of tricks around like trying to fit mythology for, you know, uh, which is oftentimes now very cultural, right? There's cultural interpretation. So everyone has a creation story. Every culture has a creation story. Um, and, and I even liken that to even saying now hip hop has a creation story. And now people are trying to reverse, you know, Latinx and, and Hispanic participation in that creation story. So no matter what civilization, culture it is, there's always trying to explain the natural phenomena. It may not be, right, if, if I look at that particular thing and I don't, you know, the idea of a supernatural being is going to look and feel infused with my culture and who I am as an identity. And so when I go to look at a nymph or a mermaid, most people don't know the if, if you don't know the origin of such it's like i'm going to see that as being the mo, you know what's a long-held uh custom or belief that i have so that might be a, a banner of whiteness for for someone or it's a redhead because yes that was my first introduction to this myth of, of mermaids was ariel and now i i don't see this same thing how can how can this this new person sort of uh you know, create or, or fill into this archetype of what we have already thought around this mythology. Um, and so I feel like it's a lot of the times it's the questioning. I feel like what, you know, there's Norse mythology, there's Egyptian mythology. They all have the same gods, but they call them different things. You know, they look different. Um, there's, there's Greek, there's Chinese, there's Roman, there's all these different things. And yet we oftentimes when it comes back down to the end of it, we realize that the narratives are very much, it's like a microcosm. We all very much share similar journeys, but we have the representation of those journeys and those beliefs are look different. So I feel like it's, we're trying to maybe one fits all things with like, you know, a lot of the, the characterizations that are in popular culture now are trying to reach the greater population, you know? So it's like, I'm trying to meet the need of, millions and millions of people who are now as cross-cultural and so yes i'm going to portray tinkerbell with with you know locks and i'm going to make sure that you know she has darker skin um 
And so that for people like, what? I don't understand. That doesn't make sense for me. But because that is of, of uh, that identifies with a certain culture. And so I feel like it's the more that we can have representative, like the individual experience, but also removing your individual experience out of it, because a lot of people are not thinking with that community or that cultural community overall to say, this is supposed to be a symbolic, you know, representation or image of for many. Instead, it's like, I don't see myself. And I don't see what I see as beauty. I don't see what I see as being canon, you know? And it's like, when you start looking at what is canon, you start going like, well, it, it, it's almost impossible for mythic imagination to be canon. <laughs> Even <laughs> Absolutely. <the source> of- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> like, where was the rage about like Snow White and the little dwarves, like seven, the seven yeah. dwarves? Like, do you think dwarves actually look like that? Yeah, exactly. I think dwarves that look kind of more of... like the like they did in the Lord of the Rings, like in exactly. the Hobbit. Like, I think that's what dwarves look like. I didn't think dwarves were gonna look like small children and one of them with a beard. Like, yeah, this interpretation is trying to fit everybody's. You know, it's throwing a little bit of sprinkle of everybody's. You know, religious mythology, spiritual mythology. You know, just belief systems, variations, and all of those things, and one little thing, and go like. We have to show, you know, we have to show James Bond as someone. There is a, you know, there's folklore around who James Bond is. And is it the traits that are there? Or is it, are we hyper-focused on the race, color, and representation? If James Bond is, you know, is now presented as, you know, transgender, does that change who James Bond is? You know, and so now it questions like, well, yeah, because, well, now you're changing you're changing the way it's intended it's intended but like those folks ain't here anymore yeah. <laughs> you know they're not here they're not real not even not even here anymore they were never here james bond was never here like you said be like the dwarf snow white was never here and oftentimes the source material when you start looking back on those things they were here they're representations of things that were back from you know the four the four uh life of us before like okay this is based on the story of hather of egypt Okay, now we recognize that that isn't really Snow White. What were we talking about? What's that? Now that right? <laughs> what were like, we talking about? <laughs> well, now y'all mad, and it's like go back to the original source with the Mesopotamian text, and then go mad, get mad at them. Right. I think you you said you struck a chord on something about going back to original texts. Um, I think we also have an issue with wanting to erase. Um, slavery from history. Uh, I have these discussions all the time, um, you know, and, I, and I've had people tell me, uh, you know, everybody around the world was enslaved. It, it only seems to be Black people that are having these issues. Um, yeah. And this, this is specifically, typically coming from people who are like, you know, Scottish or Irish or Greek and Eurocentric descents, you know, wanting to discuss the fact that their people were also enslaved, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is absolutely true. Um, but there's a difference uh, in being enslaved by people who are your same culture, who are your same, um, like, language speakers. I was like, there's not the same sense of colonialization in terms of erasure. And so I, I feel like also we typically want to take that erasure and apply it all across history. So even with the story of Little Mermaid, right, people were like, oh, well, it was originally written by a Danish man um, during XYZ century. 
And uh, you're like, okay, so that is true. However, you're not taking into account that during that time, he would have been in a colonialized nation and he would have been in the Caribbean and he would have been writing about the culture that's there. So the original Little Mermaid would have been black. Like if you look at what was referenced in the original text, he's talking about the Blue Mountains. There's no Blue Mountains in Denmark. But I was like, but there were in the West Indies where he was. You know, there wasn't slavery that time in Denmark, but it was still active in the West Caribbean. Uh, so if you want to talk about like historical context, if you want to talk about staying original to the the mythos to the work, um, then stay original to the work and actually do the work of understanding what was actually happening in the world at that time. And I think that's really what's most important um, if you're going to make arguments on that point of connecting the dots for people and connecting ideologies for people and having a conversation of why this inclusion of identity is important. It's because the identity already existed yep. and the erasure is what is being corrected. So if you have a, a problem with correcting erasure, then that is a different and deeper conversation, mm -hmm. I think, um, that needs to happen. I don't know. I've been having a lot of those types of conversations lately as well of like, you, you're, you're arguing a point about something that has to do more with your own personal discomfort that yes, people of color exist. That's really what it is. It's like you're looking for your individual, you know, fulfillment out of this versus it being, you know, there ha this this is not intended for you as a singular person to consume. It's meant to be a representation for masses to consume, in which case there should be things that explore. And, and that's what, you know, it should intend to do anyway. Art should, you know, make sure that there's provoke conversation and it should inspire you know, people to challenge their their notions and, and what they believe. But it's like some people don't, they want it to fit them. That's their goal. It should look like me. It should fit me. It should be me. And I don't care about, you know, the folks down the street. I don't care about the Venezuelan migrants that got here yesterday, whether they, whether they're fit into this. I just care about my comfort. Like you said, Kylie, it's very individualized. And by the way, for the parties that feel that, well, y'all already protest and we're making news and all that stuff. Like, why do we have to put it in the media? I'm like, that's part of the work of protesting. Like that having more inclusive content is a result of the protest. Like protests don't, don't just happen so like one dimensionally for everything else to carry on the way that it is. That's not the whole point. The whole point is to change. The whole point is to show more variety. The whole point is to show things that are beyond what white culture has set down and have dominated yeah. as like you get mad because you think it's more protesting no this is a result of the protesting so like please be aware of that like that's not it's not for you to get all mad because it's not what your comfort zone is it's for you to celebrate because now there are changes being made like yeah. consider this a moment of celebration like this is not something to get all riled up about like great yeah. now your kids know that there's different cultures beyond just you know, Cinderella being white, like no one got mad about Brandy being Cinderella, but I'm sure she got her two cents back in the day too. Like, yeah. um, speaking of celebrations, um, I know like this, this 
conversation was re-sparked because Halle Bailey um, got her role and is killing the role and is doing the thing. Um, but her uh, is planned on being casted as Belle from Beauty and the Beast for an ABC series. Uh, this is going to be uh, directed by um, Harnish Hamilton. So it's it's going to mm-hmm. be a really fun one, and I'm excited for this to uh, come out. I think, I can't remember which other film Harnish Hamilton did uh, direct, but if you guys can help me out there, that'd be great. Um, but I think it's a good fit. And so, again, creating diversity in, in, in content is helpful. It also really helps, too, by the way, like, think about the kids. Like, I know we're going back to the kids' conversation, but you know when there's musical auditions, there's auditions for theater. Like, sometimes the casting director is so biased that they want to keep it to what it is. But really, like, let's shake it up. Let's make it interesting and unbiased. Like, let's cast different types of kids for different types of roles to show the true variety of what communities look like. Like, make exactly. it real, not fantasy, even though it's all coming from fantasy. Um, let the yeah, fan Yara fiction thrive. <laughs> Yara, Yara Shahidi is going to be uh, who was um, who plays on uh, Grownish and was formerly on Blackish. Uh, is going to be Tinkerbell, and again, same deal. Where it's like I, we haven't even they haven't put out the poster yet, so that's why there hasn't been backlash yet. But I'm sure that will be. Yeah, how dare they? You know, I totally agree with that. Be like the colorblind casting and expanded new new dimensions of casting like what can we actually have in the role now it's it will be nice to see you know different people take do different takes on um material that is older and renew it and what does that mean for today right i don't want to see the same people that like we've already seen it with this version you already saw it with the with a, a white woman redhead as little mermaid now it's time for a different representation same with Tinkerbell. I've only seen it that way. I've never seen it any other way. So we can afford to have have a different version at this point. A different. <laughs> so me, me, and uh, Rocky Tyrande, we were we were making jokes about The Little Mermaid and how like everyone's like, "Y'all mad she's black? Y'all ain't mad that this is a young black girl going after some white dick?" Like, <laughs> and we were just like. You know King Triton, if he really true to that ethnicity, he would not he would not take her back to the ocean because she's decided to be grown. <laughs> we were just being uh, dumb and making jokes about her. Wow. I didn't that didn't not, even not, cross my mind. Wow. I'm I'm blown out of the water right now. Um not well, Prince I, Eric. <laughs> I was like, wait, Prince Eric, though. <laughs> Ooh, I, love, I love the uh, the comparisons about changing Prince Eric into a masculine presenting uh, woman or femme. Like, Ooh, Prince Erica. Okay. Yeah, I've seen some comparisons with that where I was like, ooh, I like it. Um, yeah. So I thinking- also love the jokes about that, V, the, uh, all the different casting. There's been jokes around like, who what you can cast uh, Prince Eric as like a as a as a like an object because now people have you know they were complaining Pizza. and it's like oh looking <laughs> Prince Eric be I need to it's find just... that lineup that Sam Celine posted on on their Facebook because <laughs> I was crying <laughs> I was like crying so free. bad. <laughs> All yes. the different things that I'm like oh my gosh like Javier Bardem is also King. Triton and 
I feel like that didn't get a lot of um, attention on it uh, or whatever, but I'm like, yeah, because he is still Spanish and it's a man. And I think there's also aspects of that too, where it's like, there was opportunity here that even still, like someone said, yeah, wait until so, so, so they hear like a rapper plays the crap. Oh my gosh, oh. a black rapper, you know, Davi. Wait, is he still like, supposed to be Caribbean? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, exactly. No one complained about the fact that Sebastian uh, was over here. This is a whole Caribbean, you know, monarchy down here with the- Pissed again? <laughs> yes. I mean... Aquafina is The crab should be no. Maccabee. Maccabee, <laughs> the guy who, who does rhymes about fruit and vegetable. Cucumber or cucumber, I think it's what the. Oh, <laughs> I love him. Sorry, Davy Diggs, you can sit down. Give it to Maccabee. <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking forward to see how crazy it's going to be a little bit like this, you know. Because I, I also don't see Aquafina has been very much criticized for her black fishing and whatever else that, you know, people have, have accused her of. And like, it's going to be Scuttle. And, and Scuttle in the original, you know, is, is really dumb and kind of like, right? It's like, oh, I don't know. That's a dingle hopper. That's a, you know, star flat or whatever. And it's like, what's that going to be? I'm, there will be all kinds of stuff that people, it's like, you can't please nobody. Yep. You can't please nobody. I'm displeased. <laughs> about naysayers. Can we just can we just give it another like just just give it another They all can they all can just Get the puck out of here. All right. Um, so yeah, that was a good discussion, ladies, about about that. Um, I think we're we're getting pretty close to the um, the the closing components here to the um, the podcast. But before we do, I think we do have a big booze Monday. I'm gonna shout out. How dare I, Robbie Benson, <laughs> aka Robbie Benson, aka Guabs from. Um, from oh boy, from 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 Super Soul Bros, he which is funny because your pick and my pick are musically related, but I just hadn't heard back from my pick yet. So yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> I totally understand where you're at. So I think what I was gonna do is I, instead of like kind of showing like an image, I was gonna show like a little video of of Robbie doing his thing. He has a series coming up called Guabstober. I He's been doing it for a few years now, and. For anybody who's just into some bullshit, please just watch Robbie. Like it's, it's incredible. Like how out there he gets. Like it's a whole different type of like universe of humor. So um, please, please um, enjoy yourselves here. Yes. Get ready for Guabstober. Spoopy Bad Games. No, I don't want that. B-movies. Rorox, get his attention. Ghost hunting. What was your AOL password? Look at that shadow there. It's like... 
dark eating. That was terrible. And wobs. All month long. September through October. Twitch.tv slash wobs. Wobstober. I asked you several times to go buy me drain cleaner, now did you do it? Which way should I go now? <laughs> so, I Which think way should I go get the gist now? of what's going on here, so please tune in for these sessions, they are out of pocket, as I I'd like to call them. They're very oh out God. of pocket. Um, so trust trust my process here. Like it's it's totally it's totally worth the watch. Like I've been either slightly a part of them or I've watched them only, and it's it's always been a gem <laughs> and unforgettable. Like to it say looks the like least. It. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. I can't say anymore because like you have to just experience it. Like that, it's kind of like going to Taco Bravo in Campbell, California. Like just go to Taco Bravo and you'll see why why the hype is the hype. Leave Taco Bravo alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with all being said, I can't remember what we're supposed to be doing next. But um, is there any promos that we have coming up, ladies? Yes, I think we have, I mean, we have three, um, you know, friends and family to the, the Lady Blurts Enterprise, where I feel like Twill just still just released her uh, new project uh, called Power, with her single uh, from that project being called Power. Um, that just came out on Friday. Um, and so congratulations, Twill, and then Mark Cooper. Uh, just released uh, his project, Power Rangers uh, uh, Redux, um, which just came out on Friday as well. Or it's, it's been out, but I think it just released to social to streaming platforms and DSPs on Friday. And then Grayson, um, who's actually been on the show Sunday, uh, I think Twill and, and Mark Cooper both have been um, also on the show on a Sunday, but... Uh, Grayson also re is releasing coming up in October uh, the next segment of their Identity Crisis series, which is uh, part four, will be dropping on their birthday on October 10th, which Ooh, is pretty exciting. We got some good shit coming through. Right? <laughs> Someone go tell Grayson that we shouted him out. He's dear yes. Grayson. Tool and Mark already know it, but like, to go tell Grayson. Go, go text him right now and be like, yo! Flavors just put you on a pedestal, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't give them the whole Kogan voice. We're not, we're not brothers. Flowers, flowers, y'all. Flowers, good job, brother. Brother, <laughs> hey, sister, are you gonna use that pump? Oh my god. Oh my <laughs> we're like, god. go pump yes. some nuts, bitch. Let's go. <laughs> All right, y'all. I think we had a pretty good show today. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please listen to the RSS version of this on your favorite podcast platform. Um, 
what other things? Yeah, we do have an Instagram. Go check that out at Lady Blurs Podcast. We also have a Twitter at Lady Blurs Pod. We've been kind of sharing the wealth with our um, Twitter Thursdays. So some days it might be on Kylie's page. Sometimes it might be on Prada's page. And sometimes it might be on my page. Um, I haven't done it on my page yet, but I don't see what, why not. So we'll, we'll make it happen one day. Uh, but other than that, if you guys got questions or suggestions about the show, just hit us up. You can hit us up here on Twitch. You can hit us up anywhere that is appropriate. Just don't reach out to me on MySpace. We don't exist there. <laughs> other than that, uh, any final words? I was like, whoa. <laughs> or mi gente, or Black Planet, or none of those. We don't know. <laughs> wow, Gaia Online. Wow. <laughs> Vampire freaks. Let's go. Um, all right. Well, thanks. That was a very good episode today. <laughs> okay.